Welcome back, baseball fans, to the 20th and Blake podcast, part of MileHighSports.com. I'm your host, Luke Zalman, and today's the last of our three-part series previewing the Rockies roster. Today, the focus will be on the batting order, and probably the leader for the Rockies' success this year, especially if they have a greater postseason than last year's sweep to Milwaukee, that is, if they want to have a better postseason. Because last year, the team scored six runs in five games. That's if you include that Dodgers matchup in the NOS division title game, a 5-2 loss. Two of the three games against the Brewers were scoreless, despite being in the upper half of the league in ballpark factor. Obviously, Coors Field is up there, the Brewers Park is up there, and the Cubs Park is up there. The Dodgers isn't, but all three of those parks, you get... Five or you get six runs in five games, despite most of those parts being in the top of the MLB run factor. Which, in case you're not really familiar with that, it's just the amount of runs that are scored at a park on average per game. Um, obviously, Coors Field isn't at the top nearly every year. Um, but yeah, Milwaukee's field was towards the top, Chicago's field was towards the top. So it was definitely discouraging to see the way that they came out in the postseason last year. And it kind of added on to how bad their lineup was during last year. Um, overall, you know, they were above league average in runs, above league average in on base. I mean, that's to be expected for a team that plays at Coors Field. Um, they obviously struggled mightily on the road. Batting average and on base both dropped over 50 points. Um, you're going to see that probably each year that they play at Coors Field unless they institute something weird like Maybe one day they build a dome to kind of mitigate the factors of the park. Um, other than that, you're probably not going to see them be this mighty team on the road. Um, definitely not the team that they are at home anytime soon. Um, and that's just because breaking ball movement is different. The field dimensions are huge at Coors Field. Um, those things aren't really going to change. So them having to see breaking balls, say, in Miami and Tampa for the first two series and then come home and see it against the Dodgers, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. I wouldn't be surprised if opening day they hit a little off compared to what they're going to be for the rest of the season at home. Um, overall, they scored over 100 fewer runs than 2017. Obviously, that's the year when you get explosions from Nolan Arenado. There was an explosion from Charlie Blackman. There's a little bit from Trevor Story, but he had that injury, so that kind of cut his season short. Um, where the lineup really struggled last year was seven through nine. That's obviously where catcher's going to hit. You're probably going to have an outfielder down there and then the pitcher. And they were just terrible. I mean, they were hardly over the Mendoza line. If you don't know what that is, that's 200 batting average. Um, hardly eclipsed that. The catchers were a huge part of that. Both or all of Tony Walters, Tom Murphy, and Chris Iannetta, they, were all, they, they had their moments. I mean, Tony Walters, great defensively. Uh, Chris Iannetta is a good veteran presence, but overall, they're just not really giving you a ton hitting. Um, they struggled a little bit with runners in scoring position as well as a whole. I mean, their batting average with runners in scoring position dropped about 30 points from 2017. Um, it's not ridiculous, uh, but you're probably, as, as a franchise, they're probably going to want to see that get back to the 2017 levels, especially with the type of hitters they're going to have in their lineup this year. Um, with that batting order this year, you have, they're going to add Daniel Murphy. Um, that adds some flexibility. Um, he's a lefty. They could have used probably an additional lefty last year. They had Cargo, had Parra, but they're not quite the hitters of Daniel Murphy. Um, 
they've really experimented in spring training with moving Nolan Arenado to the two spot in the lineup as opposed to his customary three spot. And that's been very interesting because they've been able to move Murphy to three. That would put Blackman lefty, Nolan righty, Murphy lefty, Story righty at four. So it helps you break up the bats a little bit. Um, I don't know how much they're going to use that during the regular season. It's probably something they'll experiment with if the lineup struggles. Um, on opening day, I personally would expect Nolan to be in that three spot, Murphy at two. Um, kind of similar to the way they had two lefties to start the lineup last year with DJ LeMahieu. Um, I think in that cleanup spot, it'll be Trevor Story or David Dahl. I think it'll kind of, you know, not rotate, but, you know, it'll be a little interchangeable. I think that they'll probably try a little bit of both since one's righty, one's lefty. Um, another experiment they could do, Rymel Tapia, if he is, say, spelling Desmond for the day, I would think that they might at least consider hitting him nine and having almost an additional leadoff hitter and obviously hit the hit the pitcher eighth. Um, it's something that many teams have tried. The Cubs really popularized it, um, but it's been something that's been existent for a while. Um, they could try something like that. Um, I think Desmond's going to open the year in front of Ryan McMahon. I don't know if that's how it should be, but I think that's how it's going to be. Um, it helps them break up that righty-lefty a little bit because um, with you know McMahon being a lefty, Desmond being a righty, you kind of have to split that up a little bit. I think that um, Reynolds will be a great bench bat. They have Hampson who can pinch run. Um, so they have some options now. I would say superior options to last year when a lot of reliance was on uh, guys like Pat Vileka, um and then Ryan McMahon off the bench as well. I think that they'll be superior in that sense. Um, we're just going to run down the lineup one through nine, uh, get to the bench bats after, just kind of my expected order. Um, I think that Blackman leads off, then Murphy, Nolan, Trevor Story, David Dahl, Ian Desmond, McMahon, Walters, or Ionetta, whoever is catching, and then likely the likely the pitcher. I think that's going to be their one through nine. Um, starting with Blackman, uh, last year kind of kind of went downwards from his 2017 performance. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to improve on a top five MVP finish unless you do finish. As the MVP, he battled kind of a little bit of nagging injuries last year. Nothing, nothing like a uh, you know torn muscle, nothing like a broken bone, nothing like that. But just a little bit of nagging injuries that kind of held him. But he still hit 29 home runs, scored 119 runs, um, got on base pretty close to his career average. He got on base 358, um, and I think that without those nagging injuries, that power probably goes back up. It was at 29, which isn't terrible, but I think overall that slugging percentage jumps a little bit. Uh, more doubles in the gap at cores, couple more home runs. He probably eclipses that 30 home run mark, I would think. Um, in him hitting in front of Murphy and Arenado and Story, um, his run should jump back up uh, the way they were in 2017. Obviously, he had huge run year that year. I think that it probably jumps back up. Um, it also is going to help the pitches he sees because if, say, they're coming around the order, not from the beginning of the game, but they're coming around, Blackman's hitting second in an inning, he's probably going to see some pretty good pitches since if you if you try to pitch around him, you have to face Daniel Murphy and Arenado, and that's just not something I think opposing teams are going to want to be doing. Um, so we'll probably see better... He'll probably see better pitches. He's he was a great contact guy last year. Been a great contact guy his 
whole career. So that will bode well for him. Um, if he's healthy, I don't see a reason why he doesn't cha- challenge for an NL All-Star spot again. Um, I think that those upgrades behind him in the lineup are going to boost his production even more. So without those nagging injuries, I don't see a reason why he doesn't compete for a spot like that. I mean, you have guys like Bryce Harper in the outfield in the National League. You have the Christian Yelichs of the world. But I think Blackman should be towards the top. I could definitely see him being in the running for a NL All-Star spot. Moving on to Daniel Murphy, hitting in that two-hole lefty as well. Um, 344 career on base. He was 380 with the Nationals before he moved to the Cubs. Um, that's that's amazing. That's an upgrade over DJ. While it might be, while it might not be the hugest upgrade, considering DJ is a pretty good on base guy. Um, you're gonna see. I mean, people that go to see, they're gonna see a difference in that two hole. I mean, Daniel Murphy offers a little bit of power, um, a little bit of empower upgrade that is over DJ LeMahieu. Um, ton of on base, and he also has a lot of experience, postseason hitting experience. He's got 113 postseason plate appearances. Um, that would be, you know, probably the best number on the Rockies, I believe. Um, so that's going to be one of those things where he'll be a good addition for the postseason if they make it. Um, there's no guarantees. I mean, the NL stacked this year. You got Braves, Nationals, Brewers, Cubs. I mean, down the line, Phillies, there's a ton of teams that they're going to have to compete with, and that's not even including in their own division. Um, Padres add Machado. They should be formidable. Not sure if this is going to be their year yet. Dodgers still projected to be the top team in the NL West. Um, so they're, you know, they're going to be towards towards the top once again. Um, so it's going to be nice to have him if they get into those dog days inching towards October. He has a lot of experience under pressure. Um, and he also has a lot of experience with the NL. Obviously he's been in the NL his entire career. Um, starts with the Mets, then goes to the nationals, then goes to the Cubs. So he's been all over, but he's been in the national league. So he's got experience on the pitchers, the way things are done, everything like that. Um, he hit well at cores last year or not last year, excuse me, in 2017, 400 on base percentage in 20 appearances, 358 in his career, which is, you know, the exact same as last year's 358, 536 slugging, and an 800 slugging percentage in 2017. So he can hit at cores. He should get a modest upgrade, especially in the power department. I, He may, you know, at first give you know, reminiscence of Todd Helton. I mean, that doubles machine, that's probably going to be Murphy this year. I'm not sure if with his age, I don't know if he's going to have those huge home run seasons anymore, but doubles are going to be his bag this year. I think that he'll be great with that. Um, with running with runners in scoring position in his career, 142 walks to 123 K. So he's going to, he's going to get on base more than he's going to strike out, which is great comparatively to last year when you look at a lot of times the Rockies offense was they would get a guy on base and then they would strike out. They dealt with a lot of strikeouts last year. It was either a strikeout or home run that kind of became like their, I guess how they were known throughout the league. If the Rockies were hitting home runs, they were winning. If they weren't, then they weren't. So having him, while he won't be a huge upgrade in the power department over DJ, or in general, he should be a great on-base guy for them. And those will all give opportunities. Both Daniel Murphy and Charlie Blackman's on-base prowess will both give opportunities to Nolan. Obviously, as I already discussed, he's hit second a ton in spring training. 
Um, if they struggle out of the gate, they might shake things up, throw him at second. I think still, still is going to be in that three spot. Um, it's, I mean, it's baseball etiquette, not etiquette, I would say, but it's kind of normal for baseball for that best hitter to hit in that three hole. Um, so that's probably where he's going to be. I mean, 30 plus home runs, 110 RBIs or more in each of the last four years, 155 games as well. Um, missed a couple games to suspension last year after that fight, after that hit by pitch. Um, but I mean, he's rock solid. You know what you're going to get Uh gold glove every season he's played. You know, you're going to get that defense at third. Um, the one thing I would at least have in the back of your head when you watch this year is that new contract. It doesn't affect everyone the same, but a lot of times when that new contract is doled out, especially one at the magnitude of his, um, they take a lot of pressure on their shoulders as players. So you may see a slight dip straight out of the gate. Um, just in his overall hitting may struggle a little bit, maybe pressing a little bit, but I mean, you're looking at a top 10 MVP finisher the last four years. I, I don't, I don't see many problems with him and he should actually get better as the year goes on. Cause his K percentage was up last year, strikeout percentage. Um, he was definitely swinging at a lot of balls that maybe he wasn't swinging at previously. And he was getting pitched about the exact same way. I mean, the pitch selection against him, relatively similar to every other year. So that K percentage going back to his mean should help his opportunities with running score, runners in scoring position and just all around. Um, I don't think that pitchers have an answer for a guy like him. I mean, there's, there's just guys in the MLB, the Mike Trouts, the Mookie Betts, the J.D. Martinez, the Nolan Arenados. There's just guys in the league that you you have to deal with the problems they're going to create. Um, it's hard to pitch around them. So I don't expect anything off of Nolan. Obviously, pending health, um, he's been a healthy guy, as I said. So there shouldn't be any reason why he doesn't keep on with his production. His fielding was a little diminished last year, and by little I mean hairs diminished. Um, but I think that as he ages, that defense probably won't be quite as highlight-worthy. Um, but he's still going to give you that production at the plate, and he's still going to give you excellent defense. So there's not going to be any problems with him. Another guy that's going to give you excellent defense is Trevor Story batting cleanup right behind him. Obviously, they go lefty-lefty, righty-righty. Um, and Trevor Story had his huge breakout last year. Um, his contact percentage soared, um, and that allowed him to set his career high in home runs, 37 bombs. Um, swinging strike percentage dropped as well. But it's interesting because his actual swinging percentage rose from his career average. So he's swinging more, but also getting more contact. And that's going to, that'll be a boon for his career if he can keep that going. He just looked more comfortable. Um, the first year he enters the league, he goes on that ridiculous spree to open the year. Just, it seemed like a home run every night. Um, gets that injury and has to miss quite a few games towards the end of the year. Um, last year, he has his breakout doing air quotes he has his breakout because he was obviously a story the year before no pun intended and last year he just kind of added to that mystique um I think that you're probably gonna see you're probably gonna see that swing strike percentage probably go up a little bit again um unless he is truly evolving at the pitches he's swinging at I know in many games last year he's still swinging at that breaking ball down um and he's not fouling it off very well 
Um, so unless he unless he fixes that, his swinging strike percentage probably goes up a little. But with Murphy in front of him now, Blackman, Nolan, he should have a ton of RBI chances. Um, those are three of probably the NL's you know elite hitters in front of him, so he should have a ton of RBI chances. Um, and if they're looking at trying to trying to switch it up, David Dahl, lefty, should you know spell story at shortstop, especially if. They give the day off to Story, maybe put Hampson in it short. Dahl will probably move up to that four hole. If not the two hole, they're probably going to play with their lineup a little bit, especially if they struggle. Um, but when he's been healthy, David Dahl has been an absolute difference maker. He missed all of last or all of 2017 and a chunk of last year with those back and rib problems. Um, but he averages 27 bombs every 162 games. Um, he hit 16 and 271 plate appearances last year. So he's, he's going to be a difference maker for them pending his health. Um, he's a great lefty bat. He's been able to create a lot of power. Um, he probably needs to lower that strikeout percentage a little. He's kind of swinging quite a bit at maybe pitches that, um, maybe pitches he shouldn't be looking at, but his hard hit percentage did go up last year. So I don't see a reason why, um, he can succeed with that strikeout percentage just overall for him to become a better hitter and become less, less, how do I put this less pitcher proof? So pitchers can't quite negate his strengths. Um, he's probably going to need to lower those strikeouts a little bit. Um, he'll be in left field most games. Um, they're moving Charlie to right, moving David Dahl to the left. Like, not moving. They're going to keep him in left, and then Ian Desmond in center. Um, and that's going to be a big responsibility for him. The left field is the biggest portion of the course field corners. Um, so he's going to have to show off that range quite a bit. He's a pretty speedy guy. He's not going to steal a ton of bases. But his defense is going to be huge for them this year. He's going to have to get good jumps because – those corners and especially the alleys towards mid to left field and then right are just huge. So though that's, you know, your triples alley, the same you see at, I guess it's AT&T park in San Francisco. Now you're just course has those same type of alleys that lead to triples. So closing those off with Ian Desmond in center, who represents a speed upgrade over Charlie Blackman, they should have success. Um, but if for some reason he falters in left field, that's going to be a big deal. Um, moving over to center, you have Desmond, who's a righty. Um, he's in need of a huge bounce back, obviously. He adds speed um, to their lineup. That's kind of one of his bigger deals. You know, the 20 stolen base marks should be attainable. Um, and he's actually a slight upgrade in center field defensively. Um, it's been noted many times Blackman was the worst outfielder in the entire league um by defensive runs saved just behind Bryce Harper so moving him from center into right and allowing Ian Desmond to man center is actually probably going to give them a defensive upgrade um Ian doesn't have that cannon that maybe you'd expect from a center fielder but he's got a formidable arm so they shouldn't have a huge problem with that um his problem with the Rockies is his ground ball percentage has just been huge and it's really hindered him from making a huge impact um it's grown you know over 10 percent since his move to Colorado and as as a ball club you'd probably like to see that be the opposite because the more you get the ball in the air at course field the better the results are likely going to be 
Um, the grounders are going to play the same at Coors Field as they do anywhere. The infield dimensions are the exact same. So being able to get the ball in the air is how he's going to be able to take advantage of those Coors Field gaps. Um, you're not you're not going to get a great on, great on base guy. I mean, he's proven that throughout his career. He's never been a great on base guy. He's going to strike out quite a bit. Um, but his hard hit percentage did go up last year, so that power went up. Um, he had a pretty healthy year last year, so another healthy off season. Um, he's looked pretty good in spring training. Um, so that, that bodes well, I guess, if you're looking at some small factors for him to get back. Um, I personally think that if Dahl wasn't hitting at five, I don't see a reason why McMahon wouldn't be ahead of Desmond in the lineup. Um, I just personally think that it would be a better call. Um, but it's... I think that he'll probably hit in that six hole in front of McMahon. They probably want to boost the bottom of their lineup a little bit. Um, he's not going to be terrible with runners in scoring position. Um, and his power has gone up as far as his slugging percentage on the road. So for him to equal that out should give them better results. Um, I mean, many fans know it. Rymel Tapia sh- has been in need of this opportunity and it looked like he may get the opportunity in center, um, but that was shot down pretty quick by Bud Black pretty early on in the offseason. Um, you just can't throw that contract on the bench. It's a very difficult thing to stomach. Um, he signs it, uh, if I remember right, five years, $70 million, uh, going into the third year of that. So it's very hard to bench a bat like that when he's towards the top of your payroll. Um, hindsight, you probably don't sign that contract. Um, but now that you have, you just as a general manager, Jeff Bradich kind of just has to kind of just has to roll with it. I mean, there's not much he can do. Um, moving on to the guy that I think should supplant Desmond at the six hole, Ryan McMahon. He's obviously a lefty. Um, he was absolutely scorching in, in spring training. He wins the Rockies player of the year in spring training. They had a game. I'm recording this on I'm recording this on Monday. Obviously, it'll come out on Tuesday. Um, today, they had the exhibition game against the Isotopes in Albuquerque. Um, hits another bomb as well as Nolan's bomb. So he's been great, great in spring training, and that really bodes well as the season's approaching, um, especially because he only really hit okay last year. Um, he's looking like he's changed a lot of things, but he was pretty average last year. Um, he can, the, the great part about him is he gives a ton of versatility. He, on days when Murphy needs to be spelled and maybe they don't want to go with a righty and Mark Reynolds, they can move McMahon over to first, throw Hampson at second. He gives them some versatility, which is great. Um, you know, his strikeout rate is going to be huge. That's just kind of what he's shown so far, but he's only 24. There's still a ton of room to grow. Um, but he is a relative unknown. I mean, he's been great in spring training this year. Um, but as a ball club, they really, no one can really know how he's going to perform in the year. So it's just going to come down to once that year starts in Miami on Thursday, it'll, you know, you'll start to get those real life results, start to get the, you know, real life data to go off of, um, moving on to a lefty behind him, especially if he gets that opening day nod. Uh, Tony Walters, um, it's been touched on many times, great pitch framer, top of the league defensively, and he actually possesses quite a bit of speed for a catcher. Um, that's not something you really expect in a catcher very often, but he does possess a little bit of speed. Um, he's not going to hit for a ton of power, six homers in three years. 
Um, but last year he was actually pretty unlucky. He wasn't a great hitter last year, but his batting average on balls in play, I brought it up in my last podcast. Um, just the amount of times he's going to get, get a hit, get on base when that ball is put in play. It was actually, it was under 200 last year, which is just ridiculous. I mean, that hardly ever will stay true. Um, so that's bound to obviously positively regress progress if you will um this next year and I think that him not hitting the ball extremely hard does not limit him um he should still be able to get on base especially with that speed I talked about um and improving on the road is going to be huge he's been terrible on the road in his career um so improving those splits um should also help him um and he'll alternate with Chris Iannetta he's a righty Tony Walters is a lefty kind of gives him a little bit of both Chris Iannetta has more power than Walters, but he's been he's been abysmal in spring so far. Um, when they announced that they were designating Tom Murphy for assignment, I personally thought, man, if Chris Iannetta wasn't a veteran present, they'd probably go with Tom Murphy in that situation. But they placed Murphy, designate him for assignment, gets picked up by the Giants, which is actually a pretty bad case, a pretty close to worst case scenario for the Rockies because now you have your entire pitching scouting report going to a NL West division rival. Um, So that probably wasn't great for them. Um, They would have hoped that he would have cleared waivers, be able to send him to AAA, but he gets picked up by the Giants. They re-signed Drew Butera today. Um, He was acquired in a trade with the Royals last year. He's merely depth. Um, He's not going to make any type of tangible impact this year unless something unforeseen happens I mean he's just not that type of player um but back to Chris Iannetta he has struggled this spring he's gonna strike out a lot um last year he got on base a ton with runners in scoring position without getting a ton of hits he walked a lot um and with two outs and runners in scoring position you know kind of that real high pressure situation um it was it was abysmal he's as a veteran, you would, I guess, expect him to be a little better than he was. Um, but just overall, he just adds a veteran presence. I mean, he's not going to give you a ton of tangible value. Uh, he'll be a good influence on Tony Walters um, and just on the on the clubhouse in general. But he's not going to give you a ton of value with his bat. Um, that's, that's about the end of the actual lineup. Uh, moving on to the bench bats. Um, they bring back Mark Reynolds on a minor league deal, uh, trade Talkman so that they can get a 40 man roster spot for him. So he will be part of that, um, opening day roster. Um, he's another great veteran for them that struggled in the spring, um, much like Chris Iannetta. Um, but he should, he should sub in for Murphy at first. Some, um, he's not really going to play any other position unless they have games at American League parks where he's able to DH. Um, he's he's just, without seeming too harsh, he's just too old to play anywhere else. Um, so he'll be he'll he'll spell him at first, probably get some DH at bats at American League parks. But he'll mentor guys. He'll be able to talk to Garrett Hampson. He'll be able to talk to McMahon. You know, he'll be able to kind of mentor them and help them along. I mean, he adds power off the bench. I mean, he averages 30 home runs per 162 games. Um, In 2017, he hit that mark exactly, 30 home runs with the Rockies. Um, He goes to the Nationals last year, and now they have him back. He's he's very cheap, Um, so he's he's just a great presence, and it's probably great for the club that they brought him back. Um, 
They could have brought him back last year. He really didn't get paid much by the Nationals, but they chose to go a different route. And they're they're not so much backtracking, but they're just allowing themselves to have him back. Um, he was a great he was a great clubhouse presence, um, well liked. So there shouldn't be any problems with him returning. Um, the other two likely bench bats they have. Obviously, one of the catchers sits, so he'll be one of them. But we already discussed both of them. Uh, Rymel Tapia and Garrett Hampson, both young guys. Uh, Tapia's a lefty, Hampson's a righty. Both both provide a lot of speeds. So even if they're not hitting a ton, they are going to have those pinch running. Um, talking about Tapia, he's shown some flashes of being a very, very elite player. Um, he's 25 years old. So, I mean, as an organization, um, the hope would be that those flashes would be there at 25 years old. I mean, that's getting towards the older, the older spectrum. Um, he's not a free agent until 2024. So he's still with the ball club for a long time. Um, they signed him to a, to a contract, um, back in the day, they didn't draft him. Um, he's had a decent spring, nothing, nothing ridiculously special. Um, he's going to spell Desmond in that lineup, uh, lineup being a righty or Desmond being a righty, excuse me. And Rymel Tapia being a lefty. Um, they may play the matchups a little bit there. Um, especially if Desmond struggles, you could see a little bit of a platoon. Um, it won't be a strict platoon like you may see, um, may see other or elsewhere, but I'm, you're going to see a little bit of it. Um, and then moving on to Hampson, he is likely getting beat out for that second base job by McMahon, but it's not because he didn't have a good spring. He had a great spring. I mean, he showcased, he showcased a little bit of that power, which has been kind of foreign to him. Um, but he's a smaller guy, still possesses a lot of power, should be great for doubles, especially with his speed at Coors Field. Um, he'll get some action at second. Um, he can even play short when story needs a break. He can even play third if they absolutely need him to. But in that situation, I would expect McMahon flops to third and then Hampson spells him at second. Um, when they do want to give, uh, Arenado a day off, that's a very, those are very minimal opportunities. I mean, it's not going to happen very often. Um, so his, his plate appearances, likely come in the event of McMahon needing a break. Maybe if McMahon struggles, um, pinch running, he'll be in there. Um, and he could even be a sneaky guy, as I discussed with Reynolds, when they do have that DH on the road against AL teams. Um, he could be a great DH, especially if they could hit him, um, if they could hit him ninth. Because um, if they have the DH, obviously the pitcher's not hitting. So if they can hit him ninth, it's almost like you have two leadoff guys. Um, that could be a sneaky asset for them. Um, plate appearances against AL teams on the road are um, limited, but I think that that could be something maybe Black goes with. Um, looking at maybe some areas where they're going to need to improve, especially as that deadline comes. Um, they add Butera last year. Haven't been huge on adding deadline bats through trade they've added some guys like they added matt holiday last year um just kind of a veteran presence i could see them doing the same um the one thing that stuck out to me is arizona they're obviously in the division but they look like they're going to regress a little they trade goldschmidt they trade uh they trade a bunch of guys that could actually hinder their chances this year 
Um, so they sign veteran Adam Jones from Baltimore. They sign him to a one-year deal. So as the deadline comes up, if Desmond's really struggling and Tapia hasn't done it either, um, Jones may be one of those guys that you, you know, you get minimal price. Arizona's just looking to get something for him before he's off of that one-year deal. Um, and you get a little bit of a veteran presence. Um, there's no rumors of that happening, but that's just something, you know, hindsight I could see maybe happening. Um, they could also use a huge upgrade at catcher. Walters and Ionetta. Um, Walters is going to give you a ton of defense. Ionetta gives you a little bit of pop, but they're very inconsistent. Um, they could really use a guy. If the Nats struggle this year, they have both Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki. Um, maybe look there. Um, Dodgers have Russell Martin, but I doubt they deal him to the Rockies. Um, so there's going to be some opportunities to pick up a catcher elsewhere, but it's going to be very hard to find, you know, they had the opportunity to go after JT Realmuto, um, didn't make the strong, strong push that maybe, maybe fans out there wanted them to, um, but they're going to be, they're going to be in need of catching help. Um, whether they go out and get it is, you know, anyone's guess, um, but they're probably going to need an upgrade unless Walters just takes a huge step forward. Um, overall, you know, they have moderate speed, um, with Desmond, they have Blackman who has a little bit of speed. He's more of a, uh, he's more of a smart base stealer rather than a speed base stealer. They have Hampson, um, they have Tapia who can run. Um, maybe they, maybe they look to add someone story is going to be a huge base, base stealing guy. They could maybe look to add someone with a little bit of speed. Um, it's not going to be anywhere close to the top of their priorities, um, but overall, they're going to rely a lot on Murphy and Dahl being back healthy. Murphy, L Murphy misses the first chunk of the season last year to injury. Dahl misses 2017, as I said, misses the first chunk last year. So they're relying on them to be healthy. Um, if they're able, if they're able to stay healthy in the clear, but if they get hurt again, um, those needs, especially at the deadline, are going to rise even more. Um, but I, they're. I think Dahl's much more of a health risk than Murphy. Murphy had that surgery last year, so that's why he was out for the beginning chunk, but then he was, you know, pretty healthy after he got his legs back under him. Um, Dahl's back injuries, you know, especially as a hitter, um, those are a bit more concerning, um, but I don't see them having huge problems with that. I think overall their lineup should be, you know, relatively, relatively an upgrade over last year's. I think that last year's lineup, I think they underperformed a little. I don't think they were as bad as the numbers showed at times. I think they just merely underperformed a little bit. Um, but there's some great lineups in the NL. I mean, you have Milwaukee, you have the Cubs lineup, you have the Nationals lineup is going to take a step back without Harper, but they still have Juan Soto. They still have Trey Turner, still have Rendon. Um, you have the Braves new top of the order with Freeman, Acuna, um, you have Albies up there. So there's some really formidable lineups in the NL. Um, so they're really going to need to hit this year, especially at home. If they want to maintain their good home spree, um, they're going to need to hit the ball. Um, their pitchers may regress a tiny bit. Um, Freeland's ERA may rise a little bit. Um, he's worked very hard. He's a very mature guy. So it may not be a drastic change. Um, but if their pitchers do regress to a degree at home, um, they're really going to need that hitting production. Um, 
And if they do make it to the postseason, they're going to need far more production in the postseason than they got last year. Um, but yeah, overall, the lineup looks like it's going to be, you know, pretty good. I don't see a step back. I don't see a gigantic step forward. I think Murphy is an upgrade. Um, keeping him at first instead of second, I think will keep his at bat stronger. I think he won't get tired as quickly um, because he won't have to range at second anymore. Um, but you know, opening days right around the corner. So all the answers to these questions, um, will be revealed. I mean, in just a couple days, uh, they start four game road series against Miami, three games in Tampa, and then they come home to face the Dodgers and Braves. Um, so the season's right around the corner. Um, our next podcast is going to be a opening day special hosted by myself. Um, that'll come out on Thursday. Um, well before that Marlins game, get caught up. Maybe I'll throw out some, you know, preseason predictions, kind of what I think is going to happen this year. Um, we'll get a couple predictions from some guys at the radio, um, as at the radio shows, that is. Um, get a Nilo's predictions, um, get some from Brandon Ewing. Um, we're, we'll give you the full scope of what we think is going to happen this year. Um, so stay tuned for that. That'll come out Thursday. Um, but until next time, I'm Luke Zalman of MileHighSports.com. Have a great one, folks.